Welcome to The Catch-Up, a podcast where we bridge psychology, linguistics, and mythology to explore the nature of our mind. I'm Neil. And I'm Melissa. I'm a linguist and author with a concentration in discourse analysis. I also study and write about applied mythology and its effects on our ability to communicate with ourselves and others. And I'm a trained psychotherapist with 10 plus years of experience, and I write about the myths we all have in our mind and their effects on our everyday behavior. This podcast brings together our respective fields so we can see what goes on in our minds, both socially and personally, so we can communicate our way through any experience with understanding. Let's catch up. And welcome to the catch up. This is our first season, Self Dialogue. Episode one, personal mythogenesis. So personal mythogenesis, what the heck is that? Basically, it's a way for us to frame a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about in this first season. And the foundation of everything moving forward is understanding that the main person who you talk to the most is you. Every day. Now, you don't always know it. Obviously, not everybody walks around going, I talk to myself all the time. But everybody has automatic thoughts, everybody has belief systems, behavior systems that operate off of this particular premise, which is you talk to yourself, similar to what our kitty's doing right now. Speaking of which, we should... And we, we should let you know that although we bought a microphone that is supposed to filter out as many noises as possible, that can be impossible when you have a couple of cuties running around your house, such as our cats, Emery and Campbell. So if you hear the occasional bump or the occasional thump, that's them whooping and whomping around the house and just causing general chaos. So that's what, that was Emery. That's what that's about. And we're not going to edit it out because we want her to have as much of a voice as possible, well, to be honest. <laughs> they're on their path too. Can't disrupt that. So given all of that, um, we also want to kind of talk a little bit more about our backgrounds, kind of where we come from, what we do. Um, so again, I'm the psychotherapist. And I'm the linguist. And we, we are a husband and wife team who also own a communication consulting business. And we're doing this basically to give greater landscape to our work. We also write books, um, give trainings and things. So we want to find a way to also communicate this on a more personal level let you all in more on some of the secrets of what we do, the secret sauce, so to speak, <laughs> to play with the puns, and helping you understand more of how this plays out every day, this being the equation of psychology, linguistics, and mythology. We have a lot of fun with these things. We wanted to be able to talk to you all about it because we know how helpful they've been for us personally, and we know how helpful they've been for our clients and people who have read our writing. So we thought this would be a great way to get the word out while we're all dealing with this global pandemic and at home. And what better way to be at home and talk than do a podcast? About talking. <laughs> so let's talk about our talking. What, what basically we can dive into now is the fact that everybody has what I would consider three levels of mind. We have our micro-myth mind, our meso myth mind which is the middle and then our macro myth mind would you mind taking that away a little bit i think you do this better than me so 
The micromyth mind is sort of what Neil talks about in his writing and his trainings. And what that is, is it is the myths of our mind, those stories that we kind of hold near and dear to us that we don't always know we're following, stories that have been passed down to us from our families, things like that. Then we have the middle level, the meso level, which is the myth story that we are on. Um, you don't always know you're on a personal storyline, but it it sort of illustrates to you how you work in the world and how you interact with the people who are in your world with you, those side characters, because we're all the main character of our own story. And then finally, the macro level is sort of the overarching societal stories we abide by, whether that be, you know, religions or cultural norms. They are the stories that we abide by and that we use to navigate our world as a whole. And all of these levels affect our language use and they affect the way we interact. They affect our mindsets. So we think it's really important to dive into each level and how they affect our self-dialogue. Now, you can accommodate and kind of maintain certain myths. Um, we'll kind of use two categories at certain times, um, being that some are corrective, some are incorrective. And so you can accommodate, we think, more corrective myths over time, which give you personal momentum, and then they give groups more momentum as well. Or you can abide by kind of incorrective myths that are incongruent with reality today. And what you'll notice is they'll throw a lot of kinks or a lot of wrenches in the systems of progress um, that a lot of us are really needing right now. So. And so when we're talking about, let's I guess go in order here, the micro level uh, of our myth mind. Neil, what are some good examples of a myth of mind? Um, let's see here. Some good ones that come to mind just immediately are like stranger danger or um, nothing good happens after midnight. So obviously those phrases, the literal words, the content there, and the message behind it, the tone, the belief system, etc., have an effect on kind of how we operate day to day, how we operated before today, how we might operate tomorrow. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so when does a myth of mind like stranger danger, how does it become either corrective or incorrective? Well, obviously it puts some guardrails in place, keeps people safe. Um, not every stranger is dangerous, though, so maybe you might want to say something better like um, strangeness might mean danger. You can stretch it out a little bit like that, and then that way it's not so um, insecure or imposing the insecurity on each other. I think same thing with nothing good happens after midnight. Of course, some amazing stuff happens after midnight. We've been to countless concerts after midnight that were incredible. How could we say that? It's the literal speech and the figurative message behind it. Somebody had a trauma based off of a stranger. A lot of us have. I remember walking out of a retail store one time. This guy was shaking some candy in front of me and said, well, well that's creepy. Didn't follow him. He wanted me to, but the corrective myth showed up. Now, if we apply that to every stranger, you might not meet some amazing people, right? 
Okay. There's some strange people out there that are incredible. You might think they're kind of goofy at first, but then you get to know them. It's like, holy cow, you're outstanding. So a myth is corrective when it allows you to be safe and it allows you to experience new experiences, but it becomes incorrective when it prohibits you from kind of experiencing life in a safe and um, authentic way. I agree with that. Is that cool? I like that very much. So with all of this, um, noticing that your mind kind of has a consistent display of words, of tones, of frequencies. That's your myth set playing out with your psychology, physiology, mythology. And that's why we have to get into linguistics because to ignore um, analysis of speech patterns, of communication systems, we'd be missing a lot. It would leave a gap in this. Not to toot my field's own horn, you but should. linguistics adds a lot of nuance, and it's really illustrative of the way in which peoples connect to each other and how we communicate and what our expectations are in any communication setting. Ooh, now's a good time to, uh, you know your thing about unlockable? Mm-hmm. You hit that. You should go there. So I like to call all the levels of myths unlockable because the word unlockable has two opposing meanings. For example, you have the root word lock, and if I add the prefix un on, I have unlock, and then if I add on a bull, unlockable, that means able to be unlocked. Now if I take the root word lock and add a bull first, lockable, and then I add on un, that means not able to be locked. So it's a really cool word whose order of operations very much dictates its meaning, um, and I call all myth paths unlockable because they're not able to be unlocked in that they kind of have a direction for you to go so in that way it's not able to be unlocked but they also are customizable and you can navigate your path and orient your path in whatever way you see best fit for you so in that way they're very much able to be unlocked i agree with there and I think this is playing out on a daily basis, right? We're seeing people on their corrective myth path. Um, other folks are experiencing kind of an incorrective myth path. And so they're revolving. They're not evolving if they're on an incorrection path. And then you see people evolving if they're on their corrective path. I think a great Oscar Wilde quote um, captures kind of what we've been experiencing, especially between about 2016 to 2020, 2021 here in America. And he said in the rise of historical criticism, where the superficial observer thinks he sees a revolution, the philosophical critic discerns merely the gradual and rational evolution of the inevitable results of certain antecedents. How about that? Oscar fits into any situation he does that's <laughs> and he also understands i think kind of the meta view the meso view and the micro view he was always analyzing and checking mm -hmm. stuff out we'll use him quite a bit in future episodes i have a feeling fun fact oscar wilde and i have the same birthday and his mom was a linguist look at that look at that it all comes together mm-hmm 
and he had he brought dreams to you. You did your thesis on him, and then in your book, then you have a few dreams about him. There. I had one in particular where I was interviewing for a managerial position at a candy store. It was kind of very Willy Wonka esque, but the position I was going to be taking would be replacing Oscar because he was leaving for some reason. And I remember not feeling like I was good enough to fill the position after him. But then the person who I was interviewing with said, oh, he left you a note and then showed me a piece of paper and I unfolded it. And in it, Oscar had written, I wanted to make sure you got my message. And it was about kind of believing in myself. That that was so cool. That was a pretty cool dream. And we're going to literally do an episode on dream self mm-hmm. soon. Um, but looking at these things... You talk to yourself a lot, right? We even talk to ourselves when we're dreaming. And so basically, on a very foundational level, we have to look at our self-communication's role in our own myth paths. So the, the things you tell yourself and the things you're being told. And so that kind of brings us to the meso level, the middle level of kind of our own personal path that tells us how we can and how we are working in the world and working with the people around us. So it's it's a cool thing. And in my studies in mythology, I have a certificate in applied mythology. I study Joseph Campbell. The thing that keeps coming up from the people I talk to is that a lot of people find they have commonalities with figures from mythological stories, and that can either mean religious stories or it can mean kind of you know like ancient greek mythology and those typified mythological stories that we kind of think of when we hear the term myth and just for clarification when we say religion as mythology we are not using mythology to mean the opposite of true or like myth busting something that you have to kind of prove we're using it to mean just stories and so A lot of people, when they look at their own personal characteristics or their life path, their trajectory, or their history, they see a lot of commonalities with specific figures from mythologies. And when they see those commonalities with a specific figure, what happens is they're able to be unlocked. And they're able to more personally understand their kind of life path and what they're meant to do or what they enjoy doing or kind of what they see as their personal purpose in life. And so it's this really cool thing where if we pay attention to the stories and the characters that resonate resonate with us in those stories, we're going to really be able to understand ourselves better. That's why we do it. It's like escapism or in many ways it disassociates you from of the unnecessary defenses or those habits that aren't working for us. It also shows us what's not working for us so that we can unlock and let go so we can get somewhere. And it's really important to notice too how those stories affect our language and the way we go about in communicating with others and ourselves. I think key with all of this is understanding that myth, language, psychology is all customizable. We like using that phrase because obviously it it pays off to start at that point. Um, For instance, even as we're talking right now, we're noticing our cats are getting a little worked up. 
don't know if it's because of us or not, but we're mindful of it. Therefore, we can see how maybe our language, our frequencies and tones might be activating them. They're feeling silly. They're jumping around with each other. So that's understandable with animals and humans. We also get activated with certain words, certain frequencies, certain myths that people don't like, do like, appreciate, don't appreciate. See where I'm going with this? And so then that kind of brings us to the macro level where we have yes. these stories such as religions or uh, cultural stories that we hear from our overall society, our overarching community. And then that gives us language to use when communicating. It gives us a mindset when thinking about our life and our purpose in life and what happens after life. It gives language and it gives purpose and it gives meaning to all of those things. And so it's really important to recognize every level of the myths in your mind, what you abide by, what resonates with you, what doesn't resonate with you, what you want to transcend, what you want to keep and cultivate, all of these things. Because it's vastly important for kind of recognizing your authentic self and where you want to go. Because transcendence is key. That People are craving that. Well, transcendence is key. Kind of transcending your old self, becoming your new self, rebirth, all of that. Um, look at how much that's coming up in our culture today. People are talking about their myths, their favorite movies. They're making comparisons that is showing us their mind in ways that maybe wasn't as apparent before. But given that we're at kind of this crescendo of chaos, it makes sense. Look at how we look to the myths more often when things are seemingly out of sorts more than they were before. And a way I look at these levels is, Emery loves talking about this, the macro myths, the, the overarching community myths, the religions and things, they show us our idea of transcendence and what that looks like. For example, what happens after we die, what we can expect at that point. Uh, the meso-level myths give us expectations and visuals and ways of understanding um, how we get to that transcendence. And the micro-level myths, the myths of mind, they give us an idea of how we are either hindering or enabling our ability to get on the path that shows us how to get to the transcendence. And look at how it's so packed into our language. People now literally say Jedi mind tricks. They'll bring up the Kraken. I mean, this is stuff that is happening because look at how we sat back in a theater, got into our meta minds, explored George Lucas's um, myth. And understanding this is why when people are referencing that, they're looking for a reference point kind of outside of themselves but they're showing us their self-talk, their self-dialogue. After studying Joseph Campbell and mythology, I'm really realizing more and more just how many people were influenced by him. I mean, if you watch the show Gilmore Girls, 
the main character and her friend go on spring break at one point and they watch the power of myth instead of going out with all the friends their age. That's actually how I heard about it. And we actually saw it at someone's house and asked to borrow it. And that began the rabbit hole. Had we not taken that bait, I don't know where we'd be. Yeah. And it's helped us tremendously on every level possible. Um, but it's there in that way. And so Gilmore Girls is one of my favorite shows. Full disclosure, I know a lot of details about it. But that's how I recognized even the power of myth when we saw it in someone's house. And then if you pay attention to the main character, Rory, her college journey, she's in philosophy classes. There are several scenes where the professor is talking about Joseph Campbell and mythology and kind of posing philosophical questions about him and his studies and his you know, musings. So, um, it's really cool to see just how much the stories that impact you in some way or that resonate with you in some way are influenced by mythology in some way. Every day. And those laid seeds in your mind and then they were activated and then look at you now writing books about it. So that, I think taking it, taking it literally, taking it figuratively, and allowing both both tracks of thinking, literal and figurative at the same time, enables this to take a charge in your life, to take over. So you can go where you need to go. So overall, I guess the main takeaway of this very first episode for us is we wanted you guys to get a better understanding of us and where we're coming from and how we look at the mind and the interplay between mythology, linguistics, and psychology because they are constantly intertwining. There's a consistent dance that's happening in our minds all the time, every day. And so we'll be diving into this more this season with our self-dialogue and introducing these ideas as they pertain to how we talk to ourselves and about ourselves and with ourselves. So... In between now and next time, think about what your mythogenesis was, what stories you were told what stories and language you use on a daily basis. And then we're going to fold and roll into things like transcending self-talk, dream self, artistic communication, a lot of kind of bigger things. And we'll break it down into smaller stuff that's more easily digestible. Yeah. So so think about the stories you have, the stories you want to have, and where you see yourself going. But we will be talking about transcending talk next time on episode two but we thank you very much for catching up with us today if you have any questions or something you'd like clarification on or any ideas for future episodes something that you'd like us to touch on feel free to email us at tem t-e-m-m-e team at gmail.com and we'll get back to you and help out any way we can definitely and we look forward to tossing more ideas around with you and catching up with you soon We'll catch up soon. Talk to you next week. Thanks for catching up. Caught it! Seems like we're all caught up now. Uh, But what's the catch? That's a bonus. That's true. They're going to get that if they... Subscribe. Yeah. Ooh, subscribe. I'm going to go get the cat.